This dynamic message is brought to you by Redemption in Jesus with Marco Rava. And so the title of our series today, it's coming up on the screen now, it is titled The Goodness of God. That's the overall title of our series and this is part one and in part one or part one at least we've subtitled Expect God's Goodness and that's what I want to share with you today as we kick off this wonderful series on the goodness of God. I want to not only remind you but also tell you that we should expect God's goodness. Now I know, you know, depending on who you speak to and depending on what that person is going through in their life at that point in time, you may have a different opinion. You may have a different view. You may say to me, well, how can I expect God's goodness when I am not convinced that God is good or that God desires goodness for my life? You know, specifically when we go through times in our life that are trying, when we go through trials, when we go through tribulations, when we face hardships, when we face situations where we feel, you know, we hear other Christians, we hear other believers say, well, God is good. And then, worst of all, when going through a bad time, we hear Christians say, you know, God is good. And of course, the cliche goes all the time and all the time, God is good. And you know, sometimes it makes us angry, especially when we don't feel the goodness of God or when we don't feel like God has been good to us. And you know, one thing that I want to remind you is is that, first of all, when it comes to God's goodness, it's not the best of things to do. Or one of the things that is not the best to do is to judge the goodness of God or how good God is to us by what we are experiencing in life, by situations, by circumstances. Because even Jesus said, in this life, we will have trials, we will have tribulations. But he said, I'm with you always. Be encouraged by that. And you know, God is good. Circumstances don't change the fact that God is good. You know, what oftentimes we fail to remind ourselves of, or we fail to remind other people, is, is that, We live in a fallen world. Sadly, Adam and Eve messed it up for us. And you know, to be quite honest, if any of us were the first man and woman, you know, Adam and Eve, we may not have done better than they did. I don't know. I mean, I look at myself and I think, hmm, I wonder if I would have done any different to what Adam did. And so, you know, it's easy to judge when we're not there. But the point is, is is that they messed it up for us. And so sin entered this world. This world became equally fallen as Adam and Eve. It was permeated with sinfulness. It still is. And mankind, humankind, became fallen, sinful. And so because of that, because of the choice that our federal heads, if you will, which is Adam and Eve, because of the choice that they made, Unfortunately, the rest of us get to be born fallen because we are the descendants. But also we get to live this life in this fallen world. So we will face situations. 
But God is good. And this is why He reminds us of His goodness. And He wants us to always be aware of His goodness. And He wants messages like this to go forth to remind us that He is good and that He desires goodness for us. And so, you know, when we go through situations, when we face hard times, that's when you and I need to remind ourselves and tap into the goodness of God and remind ourselves and stand on the fact that God is good and He desires goodness for me. So instead of losing hope, instead of becoming helpless, hopeless in a situation, This is the time we rise up with hope, we rise up with faith, and we say, God is good and He desires goodness for me, and this is why I'm going to believe, this is why we call believers, because a believer believes something that is not as if it were. A believer believes something beyond circumstances, beyond situations. Amen. And God is ultimately good. And ultimately, all things will work out for our good. And ultimately, we step into goodness in all of eternity. So at the end of the day, we win because good wins, because God wins, because God is good. Amen. I trust that you're receiving that. And so let's begin today by laying down a foundation of the goodness of God, but also to remind us to expect His goodness. I know as long as I have been saved now and as long as I've been preaching the gospel and as long as I have been your pastor, I keep reminding myself, no matter what we go through, I am not going to determine, I'm not going to judge the goodness of God based on what I go through. Because my situations don't change who God is and what He is. And so instead of you know me saying, well, I'm going through this, so I wonder where God is. Is He really that good? You know, if He's that good, why doesn't He fix this? Why doesn't He change this? Well, how do you know that He's not? How do you know that He's not working in the background? And even when we mess up, even when we become the victim of someone else's bad choice, we need to believe God is good and I'm going to expect His goodness to work in my life. You see, that's the time when we need to tap into what we believe and hold on to the fact that God is good and I expect His goodness in the situation. Regardless of what I'm going through, I expect His goodness because God is good. Amen. But what we believe matters. We need to believe that. I mean, if we are going to call ourselves believers, we do that because we believe. Or we are meant to believe. And so one of the things that we are meant to believe is is that God is good and that we expect His goodness. Amen. And the point that I want to make, the starting point that I want to make, is, is that what we believe matters. Amen. And how we believe it matters too. So what we believe and how we believe it matters. Amen. Have a look at this. Real quick examples to remind us of that truth. Matthew chapter 9 verse 22. <clears throat> We're going to read all these from the New King James translation. Jesus speaking to the woman with the issue of blood. And as you know, this lady had been struggling with an issue of blood for I think it was 12 years or something like that. I know that it was a long time. And so she finally received a healing when she touched Jesus' hem as he walked by. And look at what he says to her. He says, be of good cheer, daughter. In other words, daughter of God. Your faith, in other words, your believing, 
or what you believe has made you well. You see, she believed on God's goodness. She believed that God is good because she had heard Jesus. She had seen what Jesus did. And he says, I'm doing what the Father does. And so she eventually came to the place where she expected the goodness of God to work in her life. And by believing that, she was made well and she received her healing. Here's another example in Luke chapter 17, verse 19. This is talking about the 10 lepers that were healed and one came back and said, thank you, basically. Watch what he says to them as they receive their healing. He said, arise, go your way. Your faith, in other words, what you believe and how you believe has made you well. You see, their believing didn't have the power to heal, but it's the fact that they put their trust and confidence in Him, in God. In other words, they came to a place that they believed that God is good and they expected the goodness of God to work in their lives outside of their merit and performance, outside of their doing or not doing, outside of you know religious performance. They just put their hands in the trust and in the grace of God and the goodness of God. They expected it, and as a result, they were healed. And Jesus said to them, What you believe has made you well. In other words, you believing and expecting God's goodness has made you well. So what we believe matters. How we believe matters. You know, sometimes you speak to people who are going through a real hard time, especially if it's something that's long going, and they just get all pessimistic. They get all, you know, depressed. They get all sad. And I've had so many people say to me in a situation like that, say, you know, Pastor, they get irritated with me trying to give them hope and point them to hope and the goodness of God. And they get irritated and they say to me, you know, Pastor, I appreciate what you're doing, what you're trying to do, what you're saying, but I am a realist. <laughs> I am a realist. And this is where I'm at. And just so basically what they say to me is just let me be, let me have my pity party. Let me accept the facts that, you know, I'm dying or this situation is not going to get better because I'm a realist. Well, then if you're a realist, you can't be a believer. Because if you believe the Word of God, that's your reality, that's what you stand in, and that's where you draw hope and faith from. And that's why Jesus said, what you believe has made you whole. This is why I want to encourage you today. Expect God's goodness. No matter how dire the situation may seem, no matter how permanent something bad may seem, expect God's goodness. Amen? It can change. It will change just like it did for these people. Here's another example, Matthew chapter 8, verse 13. Again, this is the Roman centurion, you know, when his servant came along and said, you know, heal my, heal my child, and, and he had a request from Jesus. And Jesus said to him, go your way, and, watch this, as you have believed, so let it be done for you. Notice that, as you have believed. So the same thing here, how we believe, what we believe matters. You see, this is why scripture says we should walk by faith, by what we believe and not by sight. In other words, not by what we see with our natural eyes. It's important. 
Christians are meant to be believers. Those who receive salvation in Jesus are meant to be believers. Why do you call yourself a believer? Why does the Bible call us believers? Because we actually are meant to believe. And one of the things that we are meant to believe is, is that God is good. Amen? And we can expect the goodness of God because God is good. And so there we see another example of what we believe and how we believe matters. It's so easy to just go with what we see with our natural eyes, what we feel with our natural eyes. That's what people call being a realist, you know, being someone who accepts reality and fact. But then how can you call yourself a believer? Because you're supposed to believe something beyond that. And expecting the, the, the goodness of God is one of those things. Here's another example, Matthew 15 verse 28. This is the woman uh, who, um, whose possessed daughter, basically, I think it was, uh, was delivered and set free. It says, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. Notice Jesus says, great is your believing, or impressive is what you believe and how you believe. And so let it be to you as you have believed. And she was believing what she desired, which was expecting the goodness of God and expecting to see the hand of God. Amen. So once more, the point that I'm making here, that I'm trying to make, that I'm wanting to make, that I am making, is what we believe and how we believe matters. And when it comes to the goodness of God, expect His goodness. One more, Matthew 15, verse 55 to 58. This is talking about Jesus, you know, trying to minister amongst those he grew up with in his hometown. And watch what happens. He says, is this not, this is now the people saying this about Jesus. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. They couldn't handle the fact that they knew him, they saw him grow up, they grew up with him, that he was from the local town, that his natural family was among them, and now he's trying to minister to them and bring healing to them. And instead of receiving it and expecting the goodness of God, they took offense because, you know, he's one of us. What does he have to give us? not realizing who he really was. And so then it says there, But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and in his own house. Talking about his hometown. Now, watch this. <clears throat> he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Notice he, it doesn't say he didn't do any mighty works there because... He was disappointed in them, or he didn't want to anymore, or he got discouraged, or they just didn't, you know, whatever it was. No, it says the reason why he could not do any miracles is not because he didn't want to. It's because they did not believe, because of their unbelief. So again, the point that I'm making here, that I really want to drive home in this part one, is, is that what we believe and how we believe matters. And this is why we should expect God's goodness. No matter what we face, instead of trying to play the game that the enemy wants us to play, that natural circumstances want us to play, and blame God instead of put our trust and confidence 
in God, you know, we need to tap into the fact that I am going to expect God's goodness because He is good. Amen. I mean, at the end of the day, what we believe and how we believe will also help us determine not only our view of God, but also our expectation from Him. Amen. So then the next question that I need to ask you is, do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that because He is good, He wants to be good to you? You need to settle that in your heart. Amen. So let's take a look at that. Psalm 119 verse 68. Watch what it says here. The psalmist writes here about God. And watch what he says. You are good and do good. Teach me your statues. Now look at that real closely. First of all, the psalmist says, you are good. And then he says, you do good. So not only are you good, but you also do good. Now he's talking about God. Let me show you that same portion from three other translations that is really going to drive the meaning behind the original home that is going to help us understand about God being good and the fact that He does good. Let's look at it from the Living Translation. He says, You are good and do only good. And if you look at the original, it actually is very explicit about Him only being good. And you do only good. So God doesn't do bad. He doesn't do good plus other things. He only does good. Make me follow your lead. I love the way it puts that last part. Because in the original you can actually translate that directly that way. In other words, let me follow your lead in you being good and doing good. In other words, what he is saying is, is that I know that you are good. I know that you only do good. And so let me follow your lead in that nature, in that doing of good. And then look at the Passion Translation to see how it puts it. Everything you do is beautiful. Flowing from your goodness. See? Teach me the power of your wonderful words. Talking about His words of goodness. You see, that encapsulates, that captures the meaning of the fact that God is good and everything He does is only good. That's His nature. That's who God is. Let's look at the message translation and how it puts it. <laughs> he says, you are good and the source of good. So where does good come from? Where does goodness come from ultimately? God. No other place, no one else is the source of good, but God. Then he says, train me in your goodness. You see the context here, and it's captured so beautifully here. It's train me in your goodness. In other words, God, you are good, and you are the source of good, and therefore you do only good, and train me in that goodness. In other words, Train me, teach me to tap into and expect only your goodness. Amen. So what we see from those different translations and what we see 
from Psalm 119 verse 68, here are some of those truths, some of those realities, some of those gospel truths, scriptural truths that we see. We see that God is good and therefore we can conclude that good is God, right? Just like we see in John, in 1 John, we see that it says that God is love. Therefore, love is God, right? It's who God is. So, good is who God is. And therefore, good is God. God doesn't just love. He is love. God isn't just good. He is good, right? And because that's who He is, we can expect that from Him. So good is not just an attribute of God, it's who He is. It's His nature, it's His character. This is why you can expect that from Him, because He encompasses and He is the source of good. He is the very good Himself, therefore you can expect that from Him, because that's what He is. Amen? Another way you can put that is, is that God is equal to good, and therefore Good is equal to God. So God and good is one and the same. Just like water and wet go together, you cannot say you have water and not expect wet to come with the water. In the same way, you cannot expect God and good not to go together. God and good are one and the same. They go together. If you have water poured on you, you're going to get wet. If you, had God, if you have God in your life, you're also going to get good. Amen? Because He is good. So, God cannot be anything but good. As you have seen, you are only good and you are the source of good. Therefore, God cannot be but good to you. Amen? I don't know, just for some reason I sense someone has a little irritation. They may not be showing it, but they have a little irritation in this because of what they've been going through and the things that they've gone through. Remember what I said earlier. Never determine or judge that God is good and His goodness by your circumstances. Amen. You want to blame someone? Blame the devil. Blame fallen nature. Blame Adam and Eve for that. But at the end of the day, it doesn't change that God is good. And that's what you need right now. You need to tap into that and expect the goodness of God, to change what you're going through. Amen. And if God stopped being good, then also He would have to stop being God, because God is good. So if He stopped being good, then He has to stop being God, because He is good, as we have seen it. This is why He only does good. He only can do good. He only wants to do good. Amen. Praise God for that. I get excited when I see that. Amen. And because God and good are one and the same, you can expect good. Amen. So therefore, we've seen in everything that I've said so far, if something is not good, we need to understand it is not God or it is not from God. Amen. Because He wants to manifest good in our lives. Now, and something else that I want to show you here is the conversation between Moses and God. 
Remember when Moses was up on the mountain, he had received the Ten Commandments because the people insisted on wanting to relate to God by law. That was never his desire. But when they chose it, he gave it to them. And, you know, for so many years, that's how they lived. Praise God for the cross and a new covenant. Amen. But nonetheless, this is a conversation that takes place between Moses and God on the mountain. And watch how it goes. And what I want you to see here is this correlation, this connection between God being good and God only doing good. And so Moses here basically says to God, I want to see all of you. I want to get to know you so intimately, so deeply, so well. Show me the total worth of who you are. And watch how God answers Moses. So Exodus 33 verse 18 to 20. Then Moses said, speaking to God, Please show me your glory. In other words, show me the totality of who you are. Because if you were to say to me, you know, walk in in all your glory or show me your glory, you're asking me to show you what makes me who I am and the totality of who I am. And this is what Moses is saying to God here. He says, God, please show me your glory. Show me the totality of who you are. You see, he really wanted to experience God, even though he had already experienced him so much. And watch how God replies. And God said, watch this, I will make all my goodness pass before you. So basically, what God is saying to Moses there, Moses said, I want to see all of you, all of who you are. I want to see the total sum worth of who you are, your, the totality of you. And God says, it's my goodness. He says, you want to see all of me? You want to experience all of me? It's my goodness. I am good. Isn't that amazing? So what that means is, is that when we experience His goodness, we're also experiencing His glory, the totality of who He is. It's pretty awesome. And then He goes on and He says, I will make my goodness pass before you. In other words, the thing that represents who I totally am is my goodness. And so it will parade, it will pass before you. Then He says, And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. In other words, I will proclaim who I am to you. He says, for, and here's how I will also do it. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. In other words, my grace is also the totality of who I am. And I will show compassion, or you could say loving kindness, on whom I will show compassion. So basically what God says to Moses, Moses says, I want to see your glory. Or I want to see in all your glory. I want to see the totality of who you are. And God says, okay. That's my goodness and my grace and my compassion or my love, all my loving kindness. He says, that's who I really am. And he says, you're going to experience it all now as I'm about to show you. Then he says, but he said, that's God to Moses. You cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. In other words, no man in the natural fallen state can see me. And live through it. Because he is sinless. Right? But notice what I want to highlight here. 
It says that Moses asked to see God in all his fullness, in all his glory, the total sum, the totality of who he is. And God says, okay, what my totality consists of? He says, it's my goodness, my grace, and my compassion. Beginning with goodness, God identifies with Moses as good. And this was a time when the law was given. And he says, I am good. So when we experience, as I said, God's goodness, we're actually, when he experiences his compassion, his grace, we're actually experiencing God's glory, who he is. So as new covenant believers, we live by grace, we're experiencing his glory. We experience his forgiveness, his compassion, that's his glory. And then we should expect his goodness because that is his glory. Amen. Pretty awesome, powerful stuff. I trust that this is blessing you and you are getting this here today because it is just so awesome and encouraging. Now, let's see what Jesus said about himself in relation to God as we continue looking at this. John 5 verse 19 from the Amplified. Watch this. So Jesus answered them by saying, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself, of His own accord. Watch us now. Unless it is something He sees the Father doing. For whatever things the Father does, watch this, the Son in His turn also does in the same way. So basically what Jesus is saying right there is, I only do what God does. And so, what you see me doing is what God, the Father, my Father does, is what He says. So, Jesus basically saying, I only do what God does. Partly because He was God, fully God and fully man. But also, He came from the Father. And He's saying, I only do what God does. And so, what is it that Jesus did? Because it reveals to us what God does. Amen. So, let's see that. Acts 10 verse 38, <clears throat> it tells us, gives us the answer. And how God anointed Jesus as man, remember? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with great power. Now watch this. And he went around, here's the answer, doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. Watch it real carefully. Jesus said, I only do what God does, what I see Him doing. And what did Jesus go about doing empowered by God Himself and through the Holy Spirit? He went about doing good. Why? Because God is good as we have seen and He only does good. Amen? And to verify that it says because God was with Him. So Jesus did good because God is good and God only does good. <laughs> Pretty awesome, powerful stuff, wouldn't you agree? So Jesus did good because he saw God doing good. And so Jesus says, I came to demonstrate the goodness of God to you because that's who he is. So he only went about doing good. And if we read the Gospels and we read, if we read everything we have on Jesus and while he was here on earth as the Son of God and a perfect man, if we see all that he did, he only did good. 
I mean, even the work of the cross, praise God for that. He did good for you and me to provide redemption for us. Amen. That's good. That's extremely good. Why? Because God is good and He only does good. So therefore, we should expect good. We should expect the goodness of God to manifest in our lives. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Look at John 21 verse 25. Watch this. And there are also many other things which Jesus did. Now you know that Jesus did good, right? And connected to that, it says there are many things that Jesus did, many other things that He did, which if they were recorded one by one, I suppose, says John the writer here, inspired, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. That's a big statement for John to make. That's a powerful statement for John to make. Because in essence, what he's really saying is, is that Jesus did so much good that if we were to write down every little thing he did, which is good, which was good, this entire planet, he says, would run out of space to contain all the books that would come out of everything that was recorded and written. Isn't that a big statement to make? I mean, this planet is pretty big, right? It's humongous. I mean, it may be tiny when you compare it to the rest of outer space and galaxies and the whole cosmos, as we call it. But the point is, is, is that he says here that if everything Jesus did was to be written down, there wouldn't be enough space on this planet to hold the books together that would come out of everything that was written. In other words, here's what I want to bring home to you here, and which is what John is doing, is Jesus did so much good in the time he was here on earth. And really it was three years of ministry. But he did so much good that there wouldn't be enough space to contain all the books that would be written about it. That's how good God is. That's His goodness manifested through Jesus. Amen. I mean, that is just overwhelming and powerful. That's not just talk. That's not just comment. John meant what he said because he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's have a look at that same portion from the Message Translation. And look at how it puts it. It's pretty powerful to bring the reality of the original, you know, home to us. It says, there are so many other things Jesus did. And as you know, He only did good because God is good and He did what God did. And God is good and only goodness, right? There are so many other things Jesus did. If they were all written down, each of them, one by one, watch this. I can't imagine a world big enough to hold such a library of books. Look at that. You see, the point that he's trying to make is, is that Jesus did so much good that there's not, enough, there's not enough ways to record how much good he did. Because God is good. That's his nature. So he flowed in the nature of God and only manifested goodness. Amen. Pretty awesome stuff. I hope this is encouraging you today, but also it is building up your belief, your, your faith, 
to believe and expect the goodness of God. Especially when we go through trying times. That's when we need to expect the goodness of God to work for us more than anything else. Amen. But it works for us all the time because God is good. Amen. Now, there's something else that I want to show you in Psalm 119 verse 68 that we began with earlier today. And let's have a look at it again and I'm going to show you. Notice there it said, You are good, talking about God, and do good. Teach me your statues. Now you know that it's in the context of His goodness, right? But here's what I want to point out to you. You see right there it says, You are good and do good. The original words used there for good and good is the same. It's the same Hebrew word. It's one of those Hebrew words that you can use as a noun and you can use it as a verb. So you can use it to refer to the person, but you can also use it to refer to what the person does. In context, you understand what it's saying. But it is such a powerful word. And you know, one of the things we know about so, you know, what I'm saying is, is that when he says you are good, he's using it as a noun, referring to God. He's referring to who he is. And then he says you do good. In the second, he's using it as a verb to imply what he does because of what he is. Right? We've been through that already. And so, <clears throat> what I want to show you here is from the ancient Hebrew lexicon of the Bible. I'm going to show you that in a moment. From the ancient Hebrew lexicon of the Bible. And as you know, this resource doesn't just show you the modern Hebrew of how it is written in the modern modern Hebrew. But it goes even further back and shows you in the ancient Hebrew pictographs. Now those pictographs basically show you how in in those ancient times this would have been drawn as a picture, as a picture. That's why they're called pictographs or pictograph. See, I'm getting my, <laughs> my t- uh, accents mixed up here, but it doesn't matter. You understand what I'm saying. And so the, this resource takes you to the ancient pictograph and it shows you how it was drawn. And really that helps us see the deeper meaning of that word. Now remember, he's used it as a noun and he used it as a verb because it's one and the same. That's why. And he says, you are good. And you do good. In other words, it's who you are. And you do that because of who you are. And that's all that you do. Watch us now from the ancient Hebrew lexicon of the Bible. Here it is here. There's the number and everything else. I'm not going to cover all that. But notice there in the definition. Where you see the number 1186 in the paragraph portion. Next to that you see in blue the pictograph of that word. Good, used as a noun and as a verb to refer to God. Notice it consists of two pictographs. The one is like a little rectangle, incomplete rectangle, with a portion going into the rectangle. And the other is a circle with a cross sign going across it. Right? And next to it you see it in the modern uh, Hebrew, how it's written. And so notice it means good. It shows us right there. But then look at the definition and what it says about each pictograph. It says there, the pictograph, and it's talking about the circle with a cross, is a picture of a basket. 
used to contain or surround something. The, talking about the rectangle with the, the, the incomplete rectangle with the portion going in, is a picture of a tent or house. Combined, these mean surround the house. The house is surrounded by grace, beauty, love, health, and prosperity. Something that is functional. Now, something functional, in other words, is something that works continuously, works all the time. It works well without any defect or fault. So, what this is saying, as we look at it there, what it's basically saying is, is that God surrounds us surrounds all that pertains to us with grace, beauty, love, health, and prosperity. And that's what He floods us with, what He surrounds us with, what He empties that basket with, and all that we are, which is our house, representative of that. And it functions all the time. And I'm giving you just the tip of the iceberg there. It's such a pretty, pretty powerful, beautiful study you know, just of that word. But really, what we see there is, is that God is good and does good without defect or fault. It's always at work. In other words, He is always good. And that's where that cliche comes from in Christendom. God is good all the time. He is good. All, all the time, God is good. Amen? That's because of that. It's, it's there all the time. He is good all the time surrounding us showering it upon us. Amen. And so you can see from that, that God yearns to be good to you and do good for you. And all we need to do is believe it. That's why what we believe and how we believe matters. So when we see that God is good and He only does good, and as you can see, He only wants to do that for us and be that for us and extend that and pour it upon us, then we can say, yes, I'm expecting that. Amen. Look at Psalm 31 verse 19. Watch what it says about God and His goodness. How great is the goodness, watch this, this is the psalmist writing about God. How great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. Now let's stop there for a moment. Notice, he says, how great is your goodness? In other words, how good you are and how much you want me to have of it. Then he says, you have stored it up for those who have respect for you, who put their trust in you, who put their confidence in you. That's someone who fears God. Notice, God has so much goodness because he's the source of goodness but He also is goodness. He is good. And yet it says that He stores it up for you. <laughs> I mean, doesn't that just sound crazy? Imagine a parent storing up more than enough of something for their children, for their child. So that when they need it, He will have it so He can pour it upon them. And this is the picture that the psalmist paints here. God, His goodness is so great, but even so, He stores up more of it so that He can pour it on you when you trust Him and depend on Him. And the second portion shows us that. 
It says, you lavish it. In other words, pour it on without measure. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. In other words, people around you will know that God's goodness is, is at work on you and in you and through you because they will witness it. They will see it. And God has it stored up. And He just opens up those storage gates when you trust and depend on Him, when you believe and expect His goodness. And it just pours on you. He lavishes it on you. And you are so blessed that even those around you take notice of it and say, man, God is good to that person. Amen. That's the goodness of God. He stores up goodness for you like He really needs to. But He's trying to make a point here. There's so much goodness He wants you to experience that He even stores it up for you so He can pour it upon you. Amen. And you see, God intends for you to live life experiencing His goodness. God intends for you to live life experiencing His goodness. Expect it. Amen. Let me show you. Psalm 23 verse 6. You know this one well, but watch. In light of the statement I made, that God intends for you to live life experiencing His goodness. Surely, the psalmist says, goodness and mercy shall follow me. It doesn't say some. It says all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely, goodness will follow me all the days of my life. In other words, what the psalmist is saying, I expect God's goodness to manifest in my life, my whole life. Is that you? That's the heart of God. Amen. Let's have a look at that same portion from the Passion Translation. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness, notice God's goodness, your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. In other words, once more, it emphasizes the expectation of God's goodness. Amen. Expect His goodness. You see, God is good to you. When you feel you qualify or when you feel that you don't qualify, He is still good. Amen. You see, how we feel doesn't change who God is. How we feel doesn't change how good God wants to be and do for us. And this is why whether you feel you qualify or not, whether you're going through something or not, however your feelings may be, wherever you may be at, expect His goodness because that's who He is. Amen. And it will follow you all the days of your life. So not just on good days, but, or should I say, He doesn't just want you to have good days, days where you experience His goodness. He wants you to experience a good life. He wants you to expect His goodness your whole life long. Amen. That's the heart of God. You see, He never intended for us to live this life without experiencing His goodness. That's the other thing we see in that portion. So I want to encourage you today, as far as God being good 
and His goodness. Believe it, expect it, and receive it. Amen. Do you receive that today? Praise God. I sense the anointing as we speak. I sense His goodness just pouring, manifesting. Like the psalmist said, it has been stored up. So <laughs> when you don't expect it, when you don't receive it, God just saves it up. So that when you do, it'll just be poured on you. In our sins right now, it has been poured upon you. It has been poured upon your life. I also sense in my heart a bit of grief. Um, and the reason for that is because there are some folks who could have been here and be a part of this message. This is the word they needed to hear today, but they didn't and they missed out. Now they can do it later, but you know yourself, when we are alive is when it also pours when God is releasing it. He'll release it beyond this, but there's just a unique way of releasing it when we are here. Amen. But for those of you who are here, I sense it being poured upon you. I sense what has been stored up in the times where perhaps you didn't expect it, you didn't quite believe it. I sense it all now as you believe it, as you expect it, as you receive it. I sense that it's being poured upon you right now. I sense that it's being poured upon me and my family. Praise God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Receive it. Praise God. We trust that you are blessed by this message. For more information about our ministry or to make a donation to help us continue spreading the gospel, please visit our website at redemptioninjesus.com.